Hey, welcome to Monday Post, uh, the mostly weekly Monday recap show. So like post-Sunday, post-sermon from Normandale Baptist Church. This is Mason, and uh, so glad you're here this morning uh, with us, or I guess some point today, uh, 9.50 now, but uh, we're going to be here uh, most Mondays recapping the Sunday and the sermon from yesterday, and so uh, we're excited to get to do it together. And so the sermon from yesterday, we're man, it was it was a lot. I really liked it a lot. Um, frankly, it was it was kind of abnormal for me, Frank, uh, because I uh, most of the time that we uh, that I'm gonna get to get a sermon together or whatever, it's gonna be real text driven. So uh, what what that means is uh, what is you you want the the sermon structure, the sermon energy, everything to be related to. What is the style, the the style, the substance, the structure of the text, the motion of the text? Um, but yesterday was less that, more of like a a theology or John's theology of the Trinity. Um, and so, the reason I went that direction yesterday is is actually a couple things. One is I listened to a sermon by uh, John Piper, I mean, not John Piper, <laughs> uh, Tim Keller, and uh, it was. It was pretty uh, remarkable, honestly. I, I was listening to it. Let me pull it up on here, and I'll tell you exactly what it was. Um, but I listened to it, and it was on the Trinity, the, the inner life of the Trinity. And it was, man, it was amazing. I was, I was listening to it, and I, and I just kind of left thinking, or finished, finished my listening to it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I wish that our people at Normandale could hear this or to hear something similar to this. And so it's called The Glory of the Triune God was his sermon. And it's one, I think, that he preached in, yeah, it says 2011 is when he actually preached it. Uh, but if you get on his podcast, it's called the Tim, Tim, you can search Timothy Keller or Gospel in Life or um, either one of those will get you to his stuff. Um, but his actual podcast is called Gospel in Life. But that sermon called The Glory of the Triune God was just, when I heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, it's putting all these connections together for me. I thought this was just amazing. And so that was on my mind. And then also for the residency, we've been reading a uh, a book this past month. We were reading a book by Michael Reeves, which I've quoted him a lot recently, but it's called Delighting in the Trinity. And uh, his is in the same vein of displaying or sharing about the, the beauty of uh, the Trinity, and uh, how it's not just a kind of a dusty old doctrine that if we got rid of it, it really wouldn't matter. Like, no, 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 it's actually essential to the Christian faith. And it's one of the most, it's the thing that makes Christianity beautiful. And so I had a couple of those things in my mind heading into the sermon this week. And so, um, and so as I got to the text, I saw, well, how do we know that we know him if we keep his commands? And so I, I used the knowing him as the jumping off point to talk about John's theology of the Trinity uh, but I feel like it worked really well in that because no, Michael Reeves actually says this. It, I find his quote here. I wrote it down a couple times. Here it is. I wrote it on a sticky note. In that Trinity book, Michael Reeves has this quote that says, Christianity is not primarily about lifestyle change. It's about knowing God. To know and grow to enjoy him is what we are saved for. That's on page 10. And... And I was connecting that with what Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 3, in which he says, this is what eternal life is, that they may know you and the one you sent, Jesus Christ. And so, like, Christianity, I, yeah, I just, that quote was important to me, or, or I found it important, in that, like, 
the point is not to change my behavior or to erase my past. The, the point is to know God. And, uh, and so if we want to keep his commands, well, we need to know who he is and what he's like that would lead us to then be that way. And plus, frankly, after last week, um, I, I finished the sermon, which we were talking about we're living in repentance. And um, I kind of was ready. I came off uh, a little too, and, and I went back and listened to it, and I don't think it was this way. Um, but I, I was worried it was a little too, like, uh, in your face, where I, I wanted this week to be a lot more uh, encouraging, leaving to where you feel lifted up and ready to go out and pursue Christ and go out and keep his commands in light of the way that he loves us, as opposed to just, you're not keeping his commands, you need to do better. Like, I don't, I don't, I didn't want that to be the takeaway. And so, um, so that's how we jumped off to it. Now, when we jumped off, we talked about how do we know that we know him? And I said, well, what do we know about him that would lead us to ha- live in such a way that we have a relationship with him? And so there, I took this out of the sermon uh, early on, in my, but in my notes I had this to where there, we have this dichotomy um, uh, at times. There, there's, there's an idea that's promoted uh, that between knowing God or like meaning a relationship and knowing about God, meaning head knowledge. Um, and, and they're they're set against one another, and, and in many respects, that's right, um, because we that's what Christianity is. It's a relationship with God, not just knowing about Him. And, and you get this a lot with uh, a lot of when I was in seminary, you saw this a lot of people who start to learn theology about God, learn things, and you think they equate that with maturity or equate that with a good relationship with Him. But the reality is, they just have their pride built up because they start they're starting to know a lot of stuff about Him, and uh, uh, but. But this idea is not totally absolute in its application uh, with our relationship with God. Like, if you want to have a relationship with someone, you need to know some things about them. For example, I'm married to Dara, and I know her pretty well. Um, but, like, I have a relationship with her. But if I didn't know what her, you know, her favorite shows were, or if I didn't know that she, you know, really likes desserts, or if I didn't know that, you know, you see different things about her. Like, like I wouldn't be that great of a husband. We wouldn't have that great of a relationship if I didn't know things about her. And the same thing is true with our relationship with God. Like, yes, we want to prize a relationship over head knowledge, but they're not mutually exclusive. The more, In fact, the more that you know or grow in your relationship with Christ, the more you want to learn about him. Because the more you know about him, the more you'll learn how to love him or learn, learn like, like you, the more you'll be filled with affection towards him, and so, um, so I didn't go there totally and, and bring that that out in the in the sermon, but I was just kind of thinking about that dichotomy, and so, um, yeah, it's there. We want to know Christ and not just know about Christ, but they're not mutually exclusive. Um, it's good to know things about Him. Thus, that's where we went with the sermon and learning about the inner workings of the Trinity and how that leads us then to want to be obedient to Him. Now, there was another thing that we said. Um, uh, in the sermon in which we were talking about knowing him, and, and it was in John chapter 1, verse 18. Um, See, so if, if you recall, I've, I've bounced a lot between First John and the Gospel of John. It's because John wrote both of those, and so you see his theology played out in both of those texts that help support one another or help put things together in such a way that it's really beneficial for us. And so throughout the rest of this series, I'm going to jump between both of those texts. Uh, mainly, First John's going to be the main text, and then the Gospel of John is going to be supporting to help us understand exactly what he's saying or what he's getting at in First John. 
Um, but in first in, in, in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 1, verse 18, let me pull it up here in Lagos real quick. Um, Jesus says, I mean, uh, John writes about Jesus and says that no one has ever seen God, the only, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. And so the question is, is like, he's revealed God. And so is that revelation something general or something specific? What I mean by that is this. Does he just let us know generally about who God is? Or is it more specific with respect to he teaches us that he is a father? And it's frankly, it's probably both. And I was kind of wondering about that as I was preparing this sermon. It's probably both of them. But but I think in the strictest sense, he does reveal that God is a father. And uh, and so, and again, as we said this in the sermon, it's a pretty radical idea for us to begin to call God Father as opposed to the Old Testament. Um, and so, like like I said in the sermon, like the Old Testament, everyone always called him Lord, Master, Almighty, Lord of Armies, something along those lines. Um, but Or he called him Yahweh, actually, but New Testament doesn't call him Yahweh anymore because there was a Jewish... The, re- the reason that New Testament doesn't ever say that, um, they always just call him Lord, is because... Um, you, if, if you remember, we've talked in the past about people building a fence around the law to make sure that they don't break it. And so uh, when there was the command to not take the Lord's name in vain, well, the Jews said, well, in that case, we're just not going to say his name at all. And anytime we see Yahweh, God's name in the text, we're just going to say the word Adonai, which means master. And so um, and so that carried over into the New Testament. So that's why anytime you don't see him called Father and someone's just referring to him and says the Lord, they're carrying over that Jewish tradition. Um I don't, that's not really pertaining to what we're talking about today, but, um, so yeah, I don't know. Just kind of thinking about that. Here's another thing is in the, in the sermon, we also said, um, the cross, like going to the cross and submitting to the cross, coming as a servant, dying on the cross and resurrected from the dead in submission to the will of the father is who Jesus has always been throughout all eternity. He has always been one who's received love from the Father and in response has always humbly submitted to the will of the Father. And and so the cross is who he's always been. He's never not been the submissive son who loves his father in return. And uh, and that's kind of a profound thought, if you really think about it. Like, through all of eternity, he's Jesus has been the son who loves his father and does his father's will. And this kind of stems from, there's a, there's a, a Catholic theologian named Karl Rahner, and uh, he wrote a book, this is probably 60s, I don't, I don't remember exactly, the 1960s, 19, so I don't, I don't know exactly when he lived, um, when he wrote this, but he, he wrote a book called the, uh, On the Trinity, and he, his main thesis in the book was the economic trinity is the imminent trinity. And what that means is uh, God is out there. Like, our, like how God works in our world in salvation history to bring about our salvation to come and to, to demonstrate his love for us reveals exactly who he is or what he's like out there. And so God doesn't exist out in heaven or out somewhere in the other dimension in some way other than how he has revealed himself in by his actions here on earth. And so that's the the same theme that we take when we say that Jesus has always been who he was on the cross. He's always been the submissive son. That's how we get to that thing. So there's a there's a a, a thought uh, a debate uh, several years ago between some theologians over like a thing called the eternal subordination of the son and what that means is 
did Jesus always submit to the Father, or was that something that only came about when he became incarnate or came to the earth? And, uh, and the reality is, is he's very likely, he's always been the subordinate son. That's his role within the Trinity, to obey the will of his Father, who's always displaying love or dispensing love out to him. And uh, um, so it's just kind of a cool thought. Uh, and so that's why anytime Jesus talks about anything that he's received or anything he's doing, so like he's received his kingdom, what happens? The Father gives it to him. Or when he's given us the Great Commission, what does he say in Matthew chapter 28? All authority has been given to me. Well, who had the authority? The Father. And he gave it to the Son. So now Jesus holds authority as the King. And he holds that authority because it's been delegated to him from the Father, given to him from his Father who loves him. And uh, so uh, just a thought about that. Now, there were two other texts that related to this in First John. So if you notice, as we're going through the text of First John together, um, I'm I'm not exactly doing like like most series. I go verse by verse through the book. So like that's what we did through First Kings. That's what we've done through Jude. What we've done through Mark. So you just kind of go to the next text. But in John, that that the structure of the book is kind of circular, where he hits the same themes in multiple times in multiple places, and so it's not all just a linear argument to where you can just go here to the next thing, to the next thing. A lot like Paul's letters. You can do that in Paul's letters. If you're going to walk through Ephesians or walk through Philippians or something like that, you go from beginning to end because Paul sets his letters up in a real structured way like that. John is not like that. It's kind of like the book of James. And uh, and so we're, there's not a dis- super strong discernible structure to it. And so I'm hitting up this book thematically. And so, um, so there were two other texts that were related to what we were saying yesterday in terms of living obediently to God's commands as his children um, that I don't know if we're actually going to hit in this series. I was going to hit them yesterday, but I just decided to take them out because I, I made my point in the sermon and, and decided not to uh, extend it. But one of them is actually in chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. And uh, in this, Jesus, uh, Jesus, John is talking about... Um, who is your father? She's like, you, so backing up into to chapter one, he says, you are God's children. We are God's children. And, uh, and so dear friends, we're God's children now. And what will be, we will be has not yet been revealed, but now everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as God is pure. And, uh, and he's like, but little children, verse seven, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. You you live like your father. If your father's righteous, you want to live to be righteous like him. But verse 8, the one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the very beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin, because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin because he has been born of God. And this is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or his sister. And so there is this this kind of battle line set up. And so he's saying, you are God's children. If you live, like if you live in response to his love, the way that the, the eternal son does, if you respond to him by faith and you love, your life begins to demonstrate that. Not that you're earning it, but you're it, like, if you truly obey Christ, 
It means that his love has so affected your heart that it's now changing you, leading you to become like Christ. But if you don't do that, then it means you didn't have a true heart transformation take place, and you are remaining the child of the devil. You're not God's child. And so God's children isn't related to whether you were created by God. Everyone was created by God. But God counts people as his children. Uh, by God counts those who live by faith as his children. And, uh, and so uh, if you're not God's child, you're the devil's child. And uh, I didn't bring that out in the sermon yesterday, but uh, that's there in the text. And the last one is uh, 5 verses 1 through 4. And essentially, it's the same thing that uh, was said earlier. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children, when we love God and obey his commands. Uh, For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. And his commands are not a burden, because everyone who has been born of God conquers this world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. And, And so the question is, is like, what is love for God? Keeping his commands. And so there is this equation between obedience and demonstrating love back to God. They're the same thing in John's mind. If you love Christ, it means you obey him. And if you obey him, that means you love him. And so there's, that's kind of the equation there uh, is set up. And that's, again, that's chapter 5, verse 3. And uh, so, But I didn't hit either one of those texts in the sermon yesterday. I knew I'd have this moment uh, to be able to share them with you. Uh, but... Man, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it uh, a lot, just kind of doing something a little bit different, talking about the theology of the Trinity. Um, and so in terms of how it affected me, I mean, I, it, it, it definitely changes, or it caused, not, maybe not changed perspective, maybe it changes some of our perspectives, but for me, I think it causes me to slow down a little bit um, and really just to sit in awe of God and the love that he has towards us and like, who he is in and of himself, you know, the, the Trinity, the three persons of the Trinity. And, uh, and so I, I, man, this was a really impactful thing for, for me just to, just to, uh, I don't know, hear both that Keller sermon and, and read that Reeves book, and then also get to, to write this out. Uh, because there's something about writing this stuff out that, that solidifies your thinking about it in your head. Like if you have to teach it, then you really learn it. <laughs> and, um, uh, and so, I man, I, I, I just really loved it because it was just, I don't know, it pretty profound uh, for me and just kind of led me to, to worship and, and, and feel a, a gratitude and a love for God um, in a fresh way, I think. And so, um, yeah. So, man, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I hope you did as well. I hope it was helpful for you and encouraging you to continue to press on and living obediently to Christ this week. And uh, again, as I said at the end of the sermon yesterday, or at the end of the, uh, the seer, uh, uh, service, there was a lot of information in this sermon, a lot of Bible texts that I went to. And so if you would like my manuscript, just let me know. Email me. Uh, it's mason at normandale.org. Just let me know, and I will email you my manuscript. You can check it out uh, as you desire to look at it. And, uh, and so, yeah, hey, thanks so much for being with us this Monday or being with me this Monday. Um, I hope it's encouraging for you. And uh, so I'll check you out. I'll check you. <laughs> not check you out. I'm probably going to delete that out of here. Uh, but I'll, uh, uh, I'll see you guys again, hopefully on this Wednesday and then again on this coming Sunday. Hey, the, 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 uh, the text for this next week, let's look at it real quick. Um, 
the 2022 preaching calendar, we are going to be talking about loving one another. I think that's a good thing. So the texts I have written down here are 1 John 2, 9 through 11, 3, 11 to 24, and 4, 7 to 21, uh, verses 27 to 21. And so um, we'll see how many of those texts I actually hit. I haven't begun to look at it or line that out yet. But, uh, but we're talking about loving one another this week. So, yeah. So thanks for being with me, and uh, I'll, I'll catch you guys next time.